This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Father God, we live in a busy, noisy world. It seems so strange at times to be still and quiet. And so right now, remind us of how much you love us. Remind us that your spirit is here with us. Remind us that you want the very best for us. Remind us that you're a God who is for us. But that you also are a God who would challenge us to move beyond our comfort zones. And to be available to be used by you no matter what our age or what our life experience. And so we come tonight and we would pray, come Holy Spirit, speak afresh into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to know is, how do you get these seats? Do you book, do you book ahead or VIP? Yeah. My 11-year-old's there and I, I said to him early he should get in. He could have kind of laid right there, but then he would have fallen asleep listening to his dad speak. So that wouldn't have been all that good. But VIP seats, I like it. Mm. I was uh, going to speak uh, the same message that I spoke this morning and tonight. But when I came into the building and uh, was just sitting down, uh, getting organised, uh, your uh, amazing uh, young adults, youth pastor, Sunday night pastor Lewis, who I literally just met for the first time right then. But I, he, he was doing what so many pastors do behind the scenes. He was making this thing happen. He was setting up the building and there was a sense of darkness and he kept coming in and bringing light into the building and a sense of change. And I just had this sense the Holy Spirit wanted us just briefly tonight to think about what does it mean for you and I to live as change makers? Because this is a beautiful metaphor, this setting. We live in an incredibly dark world. And you know, all too often some Christians want to focus on the darkness and throw stones at all those things that are bad. But in reality, what Jesus does, of course, Jesus comes in and brings light into darkness. And the reality is that he invites you and I, where we are tonight, whether we're 10, 15, 18, 25, 55, 75, he invites us to journey with him. What does it mean for me to be a change maker in my life? What's it mean for me to be a change maker in my life tonight? I, I just got a, uh, a photo sent to me earlier uh, from a friend of mine who works with the Baptist World Alliance and he's in Kiev in the Ukraine and he's standing at a pulpit and the pulpit has been made out of a missile that was blown out of the sky. And they've shaped a pulpit into, uh, sorry, they've shaped the missile into a pulpit so Ukrainian Baptists can declare in a world of war, we speak for peace. A pulpit that declares good news in the midst of war, the call to be a change maker. If we go to Poland tonight, there are Baptist churches just like this, kind of same size as us here tonight, who've ripped out all their chairs, who've ripped out all their facilities, and they no longer can meet in that building because they've turned their churches into accommodation for Ukrainian refugees. That's light in the midst of darkness. It's bringing the hope of Jesus in the most practical way. 
You could go to uh, Philadelphia in the US where I was last year uh, where there's a church, again, a similar size to this, full of young adults. And every Sunday night when the service finishes, they, they walk outside and they pull along, you know, those carts that we take to the beach with our kids and our towels and our toys. They pull those along through the streets of Philadelphia, giving out blankets and sleeping bags and toiletries uh, to the homeless in that city. They're being change makers. They're stepping into an environment of darkness and they're bringing lamps. They're bringing light. You know you're getting old when you get invited to take a group of uh, young Australian Baptists overseas and you're called a chaperone, you know? You know you're getting old then, that you're not uh, kind of one of the cool gang and you don't kind of dress like, uh, like they do, you know? I'm struck today that I'm never going to be a good youth pastor anymore because I can't wear tight jeans and I wear socks. And, um, you know, uh, it's just a whole new look today. But here I was, I was the chaperone. And we went to a Baptist World Youth Conference and there were 10,000 young people uh, gathered in Houston in America. And every night there was, you know, great worship uh, like we've had tonight with your team. And there were great speakers from around the world. And uh, it's not a, not a big Aussie thing, but in lots of countries around the world, they still have kind of youth choirs. And so, you know, the all-American boys choir would get up and sing. And then the Jamaican Baptist girls choir would get up and sing. And the, the Ethiopian choir and choirs from around the world were singing. And... Um, there were 24 Aussies there and a couple of chaperones. And we never got invited to sing. And so, so we decided whenever there was a kind of pause in the proceedings, we would become our own little choir from the back rows. And when there was a, a pause in proceedings, we sang that great Australian song. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. And it kind of caught on a little bit, you know. And the next night, another choir, another choir, and then the Aussie choir. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. By the end of the conference, as we were leaving, we had people coming up to us like young Africans with their cameras saying, can we take a picture of you while you sing your national anthem? <laughs> That's the best we could do as a group of Aussies. But I tell you that story because I met this most amazing young woman in that place. You got a picture, a 16-year-old girl. There might be some 16-year-olds here tonight. You've got a picture of a 16-year-old girl, the daughter of a prostitute, a street-based sex worker in one of the poorest slum areas of Calcutta with no money, no adequate or safe or secure housing, no resources, nothing that we would take for granted. And her life was kind of mapped out for her that she would probably follow in the footsteps of her mother and her grandmother. And then the change maker breaks into her life. The way maker breaks into her life. In the most amazing way, she's given this old kind of, you know, big boom box. Um, and she's able, just by turning the dials without even knowing it, she turns the dials and she begins to hear the good news in her language on a Christian radio station from another part of the world. And she's desperate for meaning her life. She's desperate for purpose. She's desperate for love and hope. And she hears about this one, Jesus. And she puts her trust in Christ. 16 years old. 
with nothing that we would take for granted, with none of the resources that we have available to us, 16. And she begins to hear more about the good news and the fact that Jesus might even be able to use someone like her. You know what the first thing she thinks she might do? 16-year-old, no education, no money. I think I might start a school. I think I might start a school. Like, she doesn't aim low. I think I might start a school for street rats. That was the name given to her and others on the, the streets in those slums who didn't go to school and whose kind of parents had kind of left them uh, as kind of almost strays on the street. I think I might start a school. And picture this, this 16-year-old who's just come to know Jesus with no education, no money, no resources. She actually goes and knocks on the doors of the education authorities. And she says, I want to start a school. And, of course, you can imagine what they say. But this young woman has a sense that she's come to know that God loves her and that Jesus can use her and she actually takes hold of the gospel and says, if this is true, then why can't I be a change maker? Why can't I, despite all that I don't have, why can't I be a change maker? Why can't I bring light into the midst of darkness? Fast forward, fast forward to today. And this young woman has been written up in the media across India. Some have described her as the next Mother Teresa. A young woman in a Baptist church in Calcutta, now in her late 20s, who has started more than 10 schools who has started computer cooperatives where she gets computers sent from around the world and reconditioned and put into the hands of young people in Calcutta, where she started sewing enterprises and sewing businesses, where she started a palliative care hospice for people to die, where she started an AIDS clinic, where she visits men's prisons, where she's been planting churches. And she got interviewed at this conference here she's on this stage, 10,000 people, you know, the, the American kind of host where everything is big. And he says to her, your story is extraordinary. And with tears in her eyes, you know what her response was? She said, my story isn't extraordinary at all. I'm just an ordinary person who took Jesus at his word. That he could use me to be a change maker every one of us in this room has more in our hands tonight than Lena ever had and I just wonder tonight with what's in our hands and with what's in our heart if, if Jesus was standing before us tonight and said where would you like to bring change into my world I wonder what your response would be sometimes some of us are really quick to give an answer to a question like that and then we kind of Walk away because that all seems too hard. Some of us tonight won't want to give an answer because we'll think, well, I, I can't change the world. I, I couldn't do what that young woman does. But maybe this week you can step out and you, will, you, you can and you will make a difference in the life of one person around you as someone who brings light and change in the midst of a broken but beautiful world. I shared this morning about uh, being in Mozambique recently where we've got an Australian team on the ground 
And uh, probably if you think about all the places around the world you might like to visit on your bucket list, one of them won't be Masangulu, Mozambique. A dusty, dry, arid kind of village in the middle of nowhere where we've got Aussies, Baptists living on the ground. They've been there for more than a decade. They're loved and they're part of that local community and they're seeking to bring the hope of Issa, Jesus, to that community that has a background that is predominantly Muslim but where people are yearning for hope, where people want to know more about this Isa and the change that he can bring. And if you think tonight about poverty, poverty comes in many different forms. And one of the reasons that it's, an easy, it's easy to talk about the story in Masangulu is because it captures so many aspects of what poverty looks like. You can be materially poor, and people in Masangulu are materially poor. Some live in small brick huts. Some still live under trees. Some no homes at all. You can, you can be materially poor. You obviously can be spiritually poor. And there's a real sense of spiritual poverty in people crying out for hope and, and wanting to know more about Jesus in that community. Many of the world's population are environmentally poor. In Masangulu, climate change is having a huge impact and there are, there are kind of no trees and the forest is getting burnt for fuels and there's an urgent need to bring about change. And the local leaders in that community came to our Baptist team and said, will you help us plant some trees? And Cam, who's got an agricultural background, said, we'll, we'll explore the opportunity with you. What, you. what would you like to do? And this old elder in this Mozambique village says, we want to plant 100,000 trees. We want our village to have a green canopy that is known across Mozambique for generations to come. And you know what? With Australian Baptist support, we've just planted the first 5,000 trees. There's 95,000 more to come. We've been able to bring fresh water into that town by tapping a mountain and, and through pipes for the first time in that community. People can turn on a tap and there's fresh water that we take for granted. But you can also be opportunity poor. There are young men in that community who are amazing musicians and they've been bereft of opportunity. And so we've opened a, a recording studio and we're beginning to record Yao electro-pop kind of funk, their kind of music, and it's now out on Apple Music and Spotify. That whole community is being transformed, not by the work we're doing, but by the difference that Jesus can bring to a community holistically, by word and deed with lives being changed. And that challenge, that opportunity to remind ourselves that we're called to be change makers, that we're called to be people of light, that we're called to be people who bring that hope into our communities, into your school, into your street, into your university, into your sporting club, into your workplace. And so I wonder what does that mean for you tonight if you ponder where might God want to use me to be a change maker? As I was sitting there thinking about that thought tonight, change, the story that came to my mind was one that some of you will know really well in Luke chapter 10. 
And for the sake of time tonight, I won't read it. If you aren't familiar with the story, maybe sit down over a cup of coffee today. You'll find it in the second half of Luke chapter 10. And it's a story where where Jesus talks about, you know, what does it mean to be a a good Samaritan? It's a metaphor that we use in in our kind of culture, but it kind of loses its power and its meaning unless we understand the story. So let's quickly think about the story. Just in a few minutes to know. And how might it speak to us? A religious guy comes to Jesus and he wants to trap him. He wants to kind of trap Jesus. And so he comes and asks him a kind of curly question about, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers about, you know, loving God with all your heart and your soul and loving your neighbor. And the guy wants to drill down and trap him with some theological kind of question about, well, who's my neighbor? And you've got a picture as Jesus tells this story, there's a crowd of people standing around him. And most of them, of course, Jewish people. As this Jewish guy tries to trap Jesus. And then Jesus tells this scandalous, masterful story. He says there's, there's, a, there's a Jewish man. And he's walking along a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that was considered one of the most dangerous roads in the world. It was called the Road of Blood. If you kind of walked along that road, you would look out for bandits and robbers thinking that you, know, you might be attacked. And Jesus tells the story. He says this guy was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked and he was left you know, in the ditch. In one of the translations, it says, uh, uh, in Luke's translation, one of the translations says he was left half dead. Not quite sure what half dead looks like, but he was left half dead. And then Jesus says, and then along came two religious leaders. And the crowd would have thought, oh, religious leaders. So the crowd straight away think, we know where this story's going. Because here are these two holy men. Here are these two respected religious men. We, We know where the story's going. But of course the shock is coming. And these two good men walk along and they hear the cries of of the man in the ditch who's been left battered and bloodied and crying out for help. But the story goes, the two pass by. And we're not given a lot of detail. Too busy to stop. Calvin Miller says one of the greatest challenges we face in the Western world today is as Christians, we use our busyness as a sign of spiritual maturity, but it becomes actually an excuse for not stopping and doing the things that God calls us to. They might have been too busy. They might have been frightened. Again, that's understandable. I don't want to stop and help this guy in the ditch because I might get bashed myself. So often fear gets in our way, doesn't it? God, yeah. God, yeah. And that sense of what does it look like to break through that fear and trust God and to recognize that it's okay to even fail as we step out in faith with Jesus, but that we're giving it our best and that we're not going to become slaves to fear, but we're going to be people of courage and allow the Spirit to work in our lives. So it could have been busyness. It could have been fear. It might have just been, I'm happy in my comfort zone. I'm happy in this kind of lane, you know, and I'm not going to stop. And then Jesus says, and then a Samaritan came along. 
Jesus could have said to the people of that circle, of his ethnic culture, he could have said, and then a dog came along. That's how the Jews described the Samaritans at the time. Someone pushed to the margins. Someone who the Jews didn't want to be around. And maybe if we were to take that story and bring it into 2023 today, you might sit there and think, who is someone that I'm uncomfortable around? And it might just be Jesus would use that person in the story. And so the Samaritan man comes, we're told, he's walking along and he hears the cries of the Jewish man. And the first thing he does is he stops. And of course, there would have been a recognition that this man was of a different culture. But there is something inside this man that says, I've got to respond to this need. I can't be too busy. I can't be too frightened. I can't be too comfortable. And what does he do? He actually has to get down in the ditch. He has to kind of get down and help the man up. He has to get his hands literally bloodied and dirtied. He has to help the guy out of the ditch. He has to see the need, but he has to actively engage. It costs him something physically, emotionally, and we see at the end of the story, financially as well. Who's in the ditches in our world today? Beautiful Polish Baptist followers of Jesus ripping their churches apart, literally, that they might house Ukrainian refugees to help them out of the ditch. A church in Darwin that I visited recently that has now people from 45 different nationalities and is running some of the most creative, amazing programs for asylum seekers and refugees and we're in their service now that people sing and pray and read the scriptures in their own language with no translation because they've decided they want to be a truly multi-ethnic church. Not saying we all have to do that, but an example of getting into the ditch. In Hobart today, there are now 10,000 Nepalese people living in Hobart. Hobart's become an international city because you can get permanent residency through living in Hobart. And there are now 10,000 Nepalese people. There's a Baptist church about the same size as us here tonight in Hobart, who we've partnered with. And here all these people arriving in Hobart, asylum seekers, refugees, new arrivals from Nepal, they couldn't get work because they couldn't get a license or didn't have a license and there's no public transport in Hobart to, to kind of think about. And so what did these wonderful creative people open to the Holy Spirit? They came to us and said, Scott, will you help sponsor a driving school? And we're running a driving school in Hobart. And hundreds of Nepalese people are learning to drive and are coming to faith in Christ. And a beautiful Nepalese faith community has been formed. As a local church said, who's in the ditch? Where can we get our hands dirty? Where can we get involved in our local community? And it wasn't the pastor, it wasn't the leaders. It was some individual people in that church who said, we want to be a change maker. What can we do for these Nepalese brothers and sisters? In our midst. 
And so Jesus tells this scandalous story. The religious religious leaders pass by. But this Samaritan man with a heart of compassion, with a heart of compassion, stops and gets down in the ditch and he becomes the change maker. Jesus comes to a woman in Luke chapter 7 in the scriptures. A woman who's lost her husband and now has lost her only son. And in that culture, devastation. You know, no government benefits, no local church like yours to come alongside and support her. A sense of absolute hopelessness in that culture in that day. And here's the coffin of the young man being carried out. And here's the woman in desperation. And we read, of course, of how Jesus comes to that woman. And he sees the woman. This morning we spoke about the paralyzed man and Jesus saw the man. Jesus saw the woman. He sees you tonight. As you are, with all your hopes and dreams, but also with all your fears and inadequacies, he sees you and he loves you. And he has hopes and dreams for your life, just as he has for this woman. And he comes to the woman and he sees the woman and we read in the scriptures, and he had compassion upon her. That's a really neat and tidy way because the people typing up the uh, words of scripture probably didn't want to give us the kind of raw Greek, which was, and Jesus' gut and bowels were moved within him. Jesus had compassion, sounds a little bit more tidy. (laughs) But it's important we grab hold of that. Why? Because go right back to the story of Lena at the beginning. Think about Cam and Kath in Mozambique. Think about the Polish Baptists and the Ukrainian refugees. Think about the Samaritan in the ditch. And what have they all got in common? God breaks their heart. God moves their gut. God works in their life where they say, it shouldn't be this way. And as God disturbs them in their comfort, as God pulls them away from the pull of the social media world, as God pulls them away from consumerism, as God pulls them away from pursuing power and prestige as being the most important thing in life, as God pulls them away from the labels that others might want to put on them or they might want to put on themselves, God reminds them of how much he loves them, but more than that, of how they can become change makers. I get the opportunity to travel around the world and around this country a lot. And you know who is making the biggest difference around the world today? It's not pastors. It's not preachers. It's not people with a title in the name who work for some church movement. The people making the biggest difference around the world, whether they be African-American whether they be Polish, whether they be Australian, whether they be Brazilian, the people making the biggest difference around the world are those whose heart is broken by the things that break the heart of God. And they say, it shouldn't be this way. 
And then they step into darkness with the light and are blown away by the fact that God could use them. But can I invite you just to pause as we come to finish tonight? Can I ask you that question? If you could change anything in the world tonight, what would it be? And the second question is, how do you feel when I ask you that question? Because let's be honest, most of us will say, I'm pretty insignificant. Other people change the world. But I just got a hunch that tonight God's Spirit wants to speak to some people's lives here tonight that tonight might be a tipping point for you. That from tonight you might move beyond this evening and recognize that God has a unique plan and a unique purpose for your life. And you might never end up in Masangulu or India or Poland. You might live the rest of your life in the central coast or you might go somewhere else. But that God has put in your hands and your heart a dream that says, God wants to use me to be a change maker. Years back, in my first church when I was a pastor at Mayfield Baptist in Newcastle, just down the road, back in the good old days when the Newcastle Jets could beat the Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> it was a service like this, a bit more formal, pews and rows and things like that. And after I'd preached it, a young woman came out to me, a young woman, 16-year-old, and she said to me, Scott, I've got a burden. I want to go to Cambodia and I want to be used by God to make a difference in the lives of children who've lost limbs in landmines. 16-year-old. What, what should I do, she said. Full of wisdom, I said, maybe you should finish school. She finished school. She goes to university. She gets a university degree in occupational therapy. And her first stop out of university, Cambodia. She spent more than 10 years there with our mission. Married one of our fellow workers. Lives now back in Sydney with some beautiful Khmer children. And you know, when she stood before me all those years ago, and I think about her life now, I'm so glad I didn't say, whoa, slow down. I'm so glad I didn't say, you can't do that. I'm so glad that I just was a very small piece in her life story that said, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And I think that the Holy Spirit wants to say to a few people here tonight, go for it. Go for it. You're not too old. You're not too young. Don't muck around on the edges. We live in a world today that is so, so broken. 
And yet followers of Jesus make it so, so beautiful. Because Jesus makes all things new. And it begins with you and I as change makers. Will you pray with me? As I pray, if you're able and comfortable, you might like to just kneel where you are tonight if you're able to. If you can't do that, that's okay. But if you'd like to do that and join me, just kneel where you are. Or maybe just put your hands out in front of you. Father God, we thank you so much for your lavish love. We thank you as eternity has reminded us tonight there is nothing that we can do to earn that love. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation, but you love us so much you sent your son into the world. But more than that, you give us this amazing, gracious, beautiful invitation to then be Jesus in this broken world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this broken world. And so as we pray tonight, Lord, we surrender our lives afresh to you. And it might be there are some here tonight who for the very first time want to say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to give you my whole life. I want my life to count. And my sense is there are others here tonight who need to pray, Lord, here I am. I no longer want to be partially available. I no longer want to be half-heartedly engaged. I want to wholeheartedly say, Lord, have my heart tonight and take what is in my hands and my head and my heart and use me to be a change maker. And with their eyes closed, their heads bowed. If that's your prayer tonight, can I just invite you to raise your hand right now? Holy Spirit, use me as a change maker. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise your hand right now and say, here I am, Lord. Wholly available. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, we don't want tonight to be about tonight. We want tonight to be about what happens tomorrow and the next day and the day after and the day after. And so thank you for this great church community here at Narara Valley. Thank you for their mission heart locally and globally. Thank you for this wonderful community of people gathered together tonight. May they cheer each other on. May they encourage each other. May they build each other up. And may they remind each other that we've all called to be change makers. And if you put your hand up tonight, can I just encourage you, go for it. Go for it. Go for it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.